Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Throne Riches Podcast. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And this is the auto podcast that can make the most of 60 minutes. Absolutely. You know what that's all about, Daryl? I do. Yeah. We actually threw down a 60-minute show the last episode, and people dug it. Can history repeat itself, though? I don't know. Can lightning <laughs> strike twice? Well, we'll get into it more, and I'll try to be brief. But uh, we, we recorded episode 50... A couple weeks ago, yeah. didn't quite pull it off, but this is the new episode 50. They say uh, you can only be 50 once, but that maybe doesn't necessarily true. What do you think? 50 is the new 50.1 there beta. Go. There you go. Before, before we get into it, and while we're trying to beat that 60-minute record, you know it's gone in 60 seconds week, too. What are we talking about here? We could be talking about that movie. Is it coming out? It's out now. Daryl, you didn't go out last I, week? I did not see it. I didn't see Fast 9. I, I'm, we're dropping the ball here, Maybe buddy. Maybe Arena 309 can... Uh, do a showing. Like anyway. a watch party. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into it, our sponsors, we love to talk about them. Of course, Fort's Toyota Pekin, they've been there since the beginning, almost the beginning. Uh, they were the second sponsor of the show. Fort's Toyota Pekin, you'll be found on the internet at toyota-pekin.com. Fort's Toyota Pekin is a new and used car dealership in North Pekin, Illinois, and they run the gambit man they got certified cars new cars used cars uh they have uh, auto smart which is next door 696 5200 get you auto smart if you have a little bit of credit problem and call those guys they'll take care of you full disclaimer daryl as i've said before and hasn't changed i work at forts toyota so if you need service help or anything like that i'm certainly the guy to help you out with that again toyota-pekin.com they're 15 minutes from anywhere in north pekin illinois just off 474 Check them out. And I can vouch for your service department. Thanks. Pretty good people. Give Eric a call. I'd also like to say another thank you to our other sponsors, uh, the Casey Law Office. Give Gabe Casey a call or visit the website clomorton.com. That's clomorton.com. Happy to discuss any legal case you might have free of charge. Get some advice and consultation there. Also to Arena Esports in beautiful downtown Morton. If you're looking for a place to uh, take the kids maybe after school or have a party, nice little venue for bachelor parties, things like that, or just an outing to get out of the house, you can check out out Xbox, uh, PC games, live tournaments. They've got a whole bunch of action going on there. Any kind of electronic esports stuff, they they definitely have the venue for that. Huge projection screens, uh, wonderful, wonderful gaming suites, and of course, all that VR stuff that the, the kids love. All the ki- Actually, the seniors, I, whoa, I should be careful. My <laughs> parents and my aunts and uncles love the VR. They dig it. During COVID, they were using VR to like go to art museums. Yeah, What's take that like, all virtual about? tours and stuff, or, or in, in your case, you know, scale full scale buildings like uh, what's that? What was the old arcade Rampage? Yeah, or you yeah. Know, like Godzilla yeah. or they, yeah, that's some good stuff. I Anyways, if I, if I did a museum tour at Gabe's place, I think I'd be classing it up. So I don't know. Yeah, no. yeah, maybe. Now Gabe is having a tournament right now. He told me today as he stopped by that he was having kit like twenty kids come over for a tournament and they were actually having prizes this is a weekly thing so check it out if you're into that vr stuff or yep. the gaming stuff yeah absolutely arena esports in beautiful morton you can follow them on facebook or on the instagram at uh, arena 309 and also to um, our patreon listeners we always give a shout out during our pre-show and uh, truly appreciate that it's one of the perks of being a patreon yes. supporter of this podcast you get a little something extra sometimes it's car related most of the time we talk about kate upton and sports illustrated issues from the <laughs> early to mid 2000s thousands and really show our age i mean we're just trying to date date the photo that's all we're doing right we're, we're in a forensic 
uh, forensic pathology of a poster uh, and other random thoughts. But uh, definitely appreciate the Patreon supporters. You know who you are. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can click the Patreon link on the right-hand side of the navigation menu on our website. The Patreon subscribers, just so you know, got Mm. two pre-shows for the price of one on episode 50. That's right. Yeah, they had a show... Two weeks ago. I forgot what we even talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, there you go. And, and then we had a whole new pre-show tonight with really all new material. Yeah, we talked a lot about Goodwill. <laughs> the Goodwill warehouse in St. Louis. You want to hear all about it, just wear rubber gloves when you put on your headphones, okay? Pro tip. Yeah. Uh, also, we love feedback. We got some iTunes feedback here. Uh, Double Barrel Daryl. But no that, relation. But that's not you. They no spell relation. it D-A-R-R-E-L-L, and that is not how you spell it. Correct. Anyway. But it could be your other brother, Daryl. It could be. Yeah, anyway. Uh, this was on iTunes. It said, the podcast for car guys and girls. I found this podcast while looking for something for my old man and I. We listened to it on a road trip. We both enjoyed it so much we became avid listeners. The content is relevant to everyday car people who have a variety, have a variety of interests in the automotive hobby. Eric and Daryl are rather entertaining as well. That's nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Daryl. Again, not me. No. My wife has accused me and you both uh, of coming up with fake re- screen accounts. Are you serious? Yeah. She's like, I think you guys only give yourselves the reviews. I don't think they're real people. And I'm like, why? She's like, well, they're always positive. I'm like, well, we had one oh, negative. Yeah, if we had negative, I'd read the negative. I mean, well, we read I that mean, too. I, I, I don't want negative, but I'd read it. That's fine. I mean, we'd, we'd learn and grow from it, right? <laughs> Apple Podcasts, check us out there. Feel free to leave us a review. If you do, just like Motor Week used to send people T-shirts back in the '80s, we will <laughs> gladly send you some stickers or some other wares to uh, demonstrate your your uh, your loyalty to our podcast. Exactly, swear allegiance. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Also, uh, please share it on all the social media sites. I share it on LinkedIn. I share it on Twitter. I share it everywhere. Daryl shares it. Uh, I need to be better about sharing. I'm not sure where Sh- you share it. Sharing is caring. It is. Sometimes I'll do it on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. Yeah. Everybody's to- on Twitter, but I don't like Twitter. So do you I, post on it or do you just I, follow stuff? Uh, actually, everything I post on my personal blog automatically tweets. So that does that count? It does, but it's kind of like meh. It's like robot, robot yeah, exactly. posting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. anyway, share it, please. Uh, we've gotten a lot of new listeners, actually, lately. And actually, that attention has garnered us some uh, new sponsor opportunities. So uh, let's just keep it going, see if we can get something happening here. Daryl and I would love to quit our day jobs. I just don't think that's coming anytime soon. No, no. We have ordered the yacht, but uh, we still got to make some, some the down payment. Got to get the it. sailing lessons first. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Uh, do you also, want to do about your host? Or you want to you skip? No, this? we're skipping that. All right. We're keeping it down to sixty minutes, people. If you don't know who we are, then uh, go back three shows. You can Google us. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. Anyway, I was going to say you can go to the about us on the uh, the uh, the social the the throwingwrenches dot com webpage. There's also like the virtual auto museum on there too. I need to update that with all of our cars of the week. Oh yeah, we kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, I'll get on that. That was pretty weekend. awesome. But we used to list all the cars from our Cars of the Week, and yeah. it was it was very telling. Actually. It was bizarre. Yeah, it was a weird mix. Like it'd be a <laughs> if there was like a Wheels of Time museum with you and I's cars, it would just be the most bizarre, eclectic. Actually, it'd just be a lot of German garbage on my side, and and stuff nobody wants to pay to see. So it'd be a museum <laughs> that would have to be free. Anyways, so what you been up to? No, you get right in the projects. Let's yeah, let's it. just let's let's roll right along. We're we're making good time. Okay, well, uh, Daryl, uh, you know, I talked about this two weeks ago when we originally recorded episode fifty, and yeah. it felt a lot worse when I said it then. I've come to acknowledge the fact that I bought a truck. You've you're, you've made peace with that. Yeah, I've made peace with it. While while a vehicle left your garage, yeah, a new 
vehicle has entered the stall garage. Well, let's hear about it because yeah. it, it, it's rare that you do add a vehicle to your stable, and usually it has a purpose, right? It, it, your, your last oh, yeah. couple. Oh, yeah. Always, always with purpose. Sure. Darren. You don't yes. just willy-nilly go no, and just no, 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 no. acquire no, vehicles. No. So I was coming home from Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. It's an off-road event I was at, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, my wife had gone to Third Sunday Market. And I thought about stopping at Third Sunday Market. It's in Bloomington. It goes every third Sunday. It's like a farmer's market kind of thing? It's or? a flea market. It's okay. not really a farmer's market, but uh, pretty cool. And uh, pretty cool for a flea market. Really, in central Illinois, there's there's not a lot of like antique stores or antique right. districts. So this, this like all the stores kind of come together. This giant, I don't know how many acres it is, but they throw a bunch of stuff out there. And you find some cool stuff. Some of my tin signs and stuff like that I've gotten there. That's neat. Uh, but they went there. And they're like, oh, why don't you stop? And I'm like, I'm Dog tired at Jake in the truck. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I mean, I could have let Jake drive my truck home. And anyway, I get home and uh, I literally lay down at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And you're on the road all day, right? You were coming back from Tennessee. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get, because we left at like six, seven a.m. Man, I may have to tell that whole story again. See, that's a problem. You do two show, you do the show twice <laughs> over. Like, did I tell this story already? Anyway, so it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. I get home. I lay down. I take a shower. I lay down. Got my truck pretty much unpacked. And ten minutes later, Aiden walks in the door. What are you doing? You home? Yeah, I'm home. What's up? Nothing. I'm going with my friends. Okay, so three ten, I lay down. Three twenty, phone starts ringing. Wife's like, uh, "We're coming home. Can you uh, can you help us unload the car when we get home?" I'm like, oh, great. All right, that's fine. When's that going to be? Uh, we'll be there any minute. All right. So. so much for relaxing. Yeah, right. So I get up and uh, she goes, "Hey, by the way." We're driving through Mackinac, and we saw a little Toyota truck for sale. I think it might be interesting. We might want to go look at it. I'm like, my wife never goes through Mackinac. She never, whenever she, she takes Townline Road to, to the DMAC blacktop and goes north, and I'm like, why would you even be taking Route 9? But anyway, she did. I'm like, eh, okay, well, you know, the last thing we need really is a truck, right? Right, Daryl? Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't, as my dad would say, it doesn't cost to look. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't cost anything to and, look. And my wife was super enthusiastic about it. So she gets home. I'm still I'm dog tired, but the kids have basically you know Aiden came home he left with his friend Summer came home Thursday market she had to go to work or something like I think she had to go to work at McQuets that night mm. and so it's just me and Angela and I've been gone for the last three days and I can tell that she's just like you want to do something you want to go out you know whatever. yeah sure so I'm like okay she's like do you want to look at that truck and I'm like sure let's go look Why at the not? truck Why not What about it What do you know about it Is it four wheel drive I don't know. Is regular cabs? What year is it? Is it new? Is it old? I don't know. I'm like, okay, so this is absolutely this is an adventure. Yeah. So we pull up, go just oof, three or four minutes east of Mackinac. Kind of house and, out in the country? Yeah, a little bit, just on the edge of town. And uh, there's a little white 4 by 4 regular cab Toyota truck sitting there. I'm like, okay. As I roll up to it, I can see there's some rust on it. And I know in my head I've dealt with these trucks before. You're going to either have a guy that's asking $7,000 or $8,000 for this thing, uh-huh. or it's going to be a complete turd with spider webs and just disaster. And it's junk. Yeah. And I pulled up to it. Yeah, the, the rocker panel was rusted out on the driver's side. And it was sort of rough little truck, kind of sitting on level. I'm like, eh, whatever. So the guy's outside throwing the baseball around with his kid. And uh, I said, oh, hey, how you doing? I just want to take a look at your truck. Like, yeah, no problems. I climb under it and I see it's it's rusted through as all Tacomas do. It's it, it looks to be in early nineties based on the, the manual locking hubs. Okay. And I can see it's got a bench seat inside, it's got stick shift. Well, first off, stick shift 
regular cab truck, four wheel drive, manual locking hubs. I'm already like, no, okay, it's, it's okay. checking all the boxes. No, no prices listed. All right, whatever. So I climb uh-huh. under it and I see the frame rusted, but I see it's been patched and welded. I'm like, oh, okay. Look around. Look at the diff. Not rusted through. All right, in pretty decent shape actually. Um, interior not terrible. Glasses and broken paints and so so condition. It's white. Toyota has a terrible clear coat on. You know they have no clear coat on their white vehicles. Mm. So I don't even know they had a price on it. So I you know I say to the guy, what are you asking for? He goes, well, I'm asking two thousand. Well, two thousand. All right, I'm like one hundred sixty thousand on the, the the odometer. We're not in too bad of shape here. So I'm like, well, okay, well, I mean, it's in the realm. Is it run? Yeah, run. So I just took it out of the garage. Okay. Can I test drive it? Yeah. So Angela and I hopped in it. We drove it. E-brake shot. Know that. The clutch feels pretty good. Started yeah. right up. And it it's a 2.7 liter. All the, the four the four cylinders and the four-wheel drives are 2.7 liters. If you've got a two-wheel drive, it's a 2.4. Gotcha. But it, it's a timing chain motor. It's basically the old it, – it's a descendant of the 22R motor. But it's, and that's like the legendary, the one that Toyota yeah. ran forever. In the yeah, truck. that that in line, but the timing cover and the uh, the fuel injection just makes it. It's a very reliable motor. It's the same motor I got in Aiden's Forerunner, with purpose, knowing that that engine, the rest of that Forerunner could fall apart. But Motor's you're always going to turn the key yeah. on that truck, and it's always going to start. Yeah, and they don't burn oil. They don't jump time. I mean, they just run great. Twenty two R's the the. Guides would wear through, and they'd clatter, and they'd eat through the timing cover and stuff like that. Uh, you don't see that with the two point sevens. Okay, so take it for a drive, and I get to Dollar General and Mackinac, and turn around, all of a sudden, starts stuttering, just like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is great. So we get back to this place. I'm like, have you driven this thing? He goes, no, I just pulled the garage, been sitting there for a year. I don't drive it anymore. I'm like, okay. I said, well, it ran like crap, and I said I'd like to come back with a scan tool the next. And I told him who I was and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "That's fine." He goes, "I was actually going to order a scan tool online anyway." So I'm like, "What would you take for it?" He goes, "Well, somebody offered me fifteen, but um, you know, I'm asking two thousand. I just put it out. I'm like, okay, whatever." Yeah. So I come back the next day, and it's it's is it hard to determine value on those two because it you know you do get. You get the work truck category, and then it's like, well, good luck finding a four by four Toyota truck for under two thousand dollars anywhere that, in the country. That runs anywhere, yeah. anywhere. I don't care where it's at. It could be in, it could be in Alaska, buried under ten feet of snow. If you say you have a four by four Toyota truck Somebody's that, that runs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I talked about my tax. I ran out there on Monday, I, and I text the guy Monday morning. I say, hey, you have the truck? He goes, yeah. Nobody's looked at it yet. Uh, so I like come out with the scan tool. He goes, that's good. I. I he goes, I drove it. didn't do what you said it did. I'm like, well, it did for I, me. I didn't lie. I'm like, I'm not buying it unless I get it figured out. So I went out there with Drew's scan tool and, and uh, took a test drive. And I took Aiden. Aiden and I went all the way around. We went through Mackinac, went all the way out to Lily, found my, my, my dream retirement business. There's like an old abandoned building out in Lily that I could make a bar at. Anyway. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> when we strike it, Rich. Yeah. yeah. And uh, came back through and it ran fine. Did you pull any codes off it or no? No, nothing. As a matter of fact, I ran an active test the whole time looking for misfires. Nothing. Huh. And uh, so, anyway, I was quite pleased with that. It was and, just uh, some bad gas or something? Or? Well, yeah, maybe. That's that's all I could think. I said, when was the last time the gas changed? And he said, been a while. Sure. Um, Aiden, in the meantime, has gotten like three Snapchats from friends. You looking at that white truck? You know, mm. his buddies can all see him drive around town with me. <laughs> So we get back there, and I'm like, all right, man. I said, I know you've been out, offered 1500 It runs fine. My wife really wants it, you know, mm-hmm. $1,750. And he's just, his face, just, he's a younger guy. He's probably 35, 40, and he's, it's all furrowed. He's like, well, let me talk to the wife. And 
He's gone for like ten minutes. He comes back out, and Aiden and I've been standing over the bed, looking at the the you know the handle in the back's broken. He's got the, where you got to pull the 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 rods to, to unlatch the back tailgate and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. It's just a little work truck. For sure, us. sure. I get into the whole reasons why we don't need this truck with my wife, but we'll save that for some other time. <laughs> and uh, he goes, "Yeah, you know what? We just put it out a week ago, so I think we're gonna wait. So you know, just let me know." And I'm like, "Like, dude, my wife wants a truck." I'm, yeah, I'm like I I got a checkbook. I, we're from Mackinac. My kids know your kids. He goes, you know, they go to school together. And I said, "How about 1900?" He looks at me. He goes, "Yeah, I'll do 1900." I'm like, "Fine, just, just get it done. Just get it done. I'm not going to go home. Oh, hope maybe you'll take 18. I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's well, and that's fair right now too because the the values are all over the place. Things are weird. Yeah, and if you see something you like, it doesn't come up that often, and it's something you can actually put on the road, put put to use. Yeah. Just grab it. So then he he takes a check from me. Aiden takes my, my truck and leaves. And I'm standing there with the truck, and I got the key, keys from the guy. And I put him in ignition. He's gone in the house. There's a kid, like, still throwing the ball around there, like, up in the air. Mm-hmm. I put the key in, turn it, nothing, dead. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me. And I said that. The window's down, like, seriously? <laughs> and so the kid, like, looks at me, and I'm like, oh, man. But when I turn the key, nothing, just dead. Zero. No dash lights, no radio, no click, like the wow. starter was disengaged. So I'm like, I know what this probably is. So I went around, I popped the hood, which the cable is disconnected because the little latching doesn't work, so you got to pull in the cable. Uh, and uh, sure enough, I wiggle the, the negative terminal loose, and all of a sudden I heard the batter, the uh, key chime go off. We were good. Good to started go. Started right up, drove it out of there. So, uh, And all I did is I drove it promptly into my barn and parked it in the barn. And that's where it's sitting? Yeah. One year from now, it will be an antique vehicle. And I think what we're going to do is just get an antique plate on next year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So for right now, it, the only thing it's done since I've gotten it a month ago is I've moved some sticks around the yard. Well, and that's what you said you bought it for. Yeah, that was yeah, the first yeah, thing. I was yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a fun little project. You're like, no, I bought it to do farm stuff, yeah. yard stuff, put sticks in it, and carry yeah. tree limbs and whatnot. Yeah. So is it really – you'd be okay with doing that, though? That's why you bought it? Because yeah. I see something like that, and it's it's at that cusp where it's like old enough to be cool, but not you don't want to put a ton of money into it. You know what I mean? Dude, it's, part of me is like, oh no, I don't want to put any money into it. I think part of it is just the uh, the patina of, of the age of it. I mean, yeah. it's, part, it's 25 years old, basically. It's 24 years old. 96, so, you said? 97. 97, okay. Yeah, so there's just part of me that says just keep it original. I mean, yeah. the other part of me says you could take that thing to the Badlands after you made sure everything was just set and the shocks were done. And with, mm-hmm. with bone stock tires, stock suspension, with a manual trans, with the manual locking hubs. Tear it up. Drive it like a four-wheeler. Yeah. How much fun is that? Yeah. But, I think you would have a blast. With the amount of wheeling you do. Yeah. It would be so much fun. Because to me, when I was driving, I'm like, this is like driving Katie, my tractor I'd just gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. You know. It's it, like brute. Everything is just manual. Manual, manual. I love that. But you wouldn't take that out to the badlands. You'd trailer it. Right, because you wouldn't want to drive that thing. I'm a Toyota off-roader, so we drive our vehicles. We're yeah. not we're not Jeep people, Daryl. Yeah. Well, <laughs> would you really want to drive all the way in something like that? I would. Manual this and manual that. Oh yeah. Come I on, no, dude. You drive that. You drive some of the oldest cars in the world. And I do. You. I've never seen you trailer anything. No, I bought a Tundra though because I got <laughs> I got to a point where I'm like, I was at a I was at a vintage Chevrolet Club meet. And it was 104 degrees, driving a black 47 Chevy. With no air conditioning and dying, having like I was seeing like hallucinating because yeah. I was getting hot, 
And I'm like, I don't know how many more years I can do this S. <laughs> like, this this is really hard. You do need a car, a car hauler or a trailer. I need a trailer. Yeah, I think uh, it's my Mr. Next Mr. Ford has a Featherlight aluminum trailer, mm-hmm. and he's got a uh, wind scoop on the front of it. It's great for hauling the cars, the race things. And That's stuff. what you use for the yeah. supers you, and stuff. You would love that. Need to need to invest in that. Yeah. So we'll get there. Right. But no, that's that's a good find, and I'm I'm glad you got a little encouragement yeah. on the home front to do it. So now nobody knows how many cars we actually own. The question has come up several times: How many cars do you own, Eric? I don't know. At this point, hold on. I'm going to do a little, Darryl, Darryl, a little math. All right, so, continue on with your story. All right. So that that story's over. Also, in the meantime, since we did the last show, went to the Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. You can listen to that interview that I did with Jason Hoffman last time. Uh, went down there with a couple of folks that are customers from Forts. And we camped out at Windrock Park. Daryl's writing down all my cars. Uh, he doesn't know about all of them. I, I don't know. Um, you still have that red one? The Celica? The parts car. Yeah. Okay. That's what, go ahead. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I think I got your number. Go ahead. <laughs> if you're playing along at home, this is terrible. listen to every podcast. And then listen to when, how many times Eric makes fun of me for how many cars I have. And I'm, I'm telling it. I think you might have me beat right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. It's humiliating. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the first time we did this show, I like whispered that I bought a truck because I was making fun of the fact that Super Tile may have left uh, the yard, <laughs> may have left the barn. Right. Anyway, right. Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. Um, it's put on by the Southeast Toyota Land Cruiser Association. It's at Windrock Park down in uh, Tennessee, just outside of, uh, oh, shoot, Knoxville area or something like that. But it's on the eastern side of Tennessee. Have a great time. It's like 700,000 acres or something like that, this park. And camped out for three days and off-road. I took Tree Hugger 1.0 and uh, made a, a little video, showed some of the stuff. I don't know. Did you watch the one where I, I like, did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Had, yeah. had a great time. You know what? Tree Hugger did great. Well, how many years have you gone to that event now? What, no, no, five, no, this, no. This one's only twice. This uh, Southern oh. Cruiser Crawl is where I've been several times That's in Hot Springs. Yeah, yeah. Hot Springs, Arkansas. Gotcha. And I said that in front of Jason. I felt like a schmuck. But had I been a professional podcaster, I probably would have you know fixed that. Was he cool about it? Though? No, was he, like, he corrected me. Yeah, which like, was oh, cool. This yeah, event. We're, we're all good. You, you guys are all cool. It's a, the same ecosystem. It right? is. It is. Yeah. It's not competitive. Like that's that's totally different. Oh, some other people might have found more offense to it than Jason did. But uh, he's a swell guy. He's a super guy. So, dude, he's got the radio voice too. If you ever listen to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, Jason Hoffman when he talked, I was just like, man, I, I want to pick up smoking just so I can have that. Yeah, that, that the tone, deep. man. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to get a little growly when I talk to you. Anyway. Like Sam Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was a good time. So you can listen to that interview, like I said. And then the other thing, uh, and I you know, talk so much about myself, but I, we did do two days of autocross two weeks ago, and I took the Supra up on day one, and I rode with Jason uh, daily. Up in Mossville? Yeah, up in Mossville. And I did Saturday and Sunday. I did uh, Supra on, on Saturday, and I did FRS on Saturday. Jason Daly is the head of the – I'd say he's the current president of the Central Illinois SCCA, and he was one of the chairs with me on this event at Mossville. Had a great time, but Jason had come up to me before and said, listen, you're getting a little better at driving. It was a compliment, I'm pretty sure. And he a said, compliment sandwich. It would be awesome if, uh, you know, if I could ride with you that day. And he's like, I'm interested in the Supra. If you'd be interested, I think I can make that Supra do pretty well if you allow me to drive it. I'm like, you know what? We normally have like a trained race car driver – Harper, he's come out and do some racing with us. Uh, but he's been busy. And uh, Jason, with his 300Z, is usually top-notch. He's usually one of the number one guys out there. So I agreed to it. So I sat with Jason for – you get 10 runs throughout the day. And it was raining in the morning, but it was dry in the afternoon. But I, Jason yelled at me. 
and beat me and berated me and made me feel like a <laughs> schmuck the first half of the day. But you know what? The second half of the day, I was killing it. He got out of the car for the last two or three runs for me, and I was doing awesome. And then by the end of the day, he had number one in overall time and number one in packs time, which is a computer-generated scoring that the cars do based on the model. So it does like an offset or what do yeah. you call it, like an adjustment of it? Yes. So he he basically made – Got a delivery? Oh, yes. Are those yes. R2s? These are brand new. They just came out. <gasps> and you get the first one. Oh, my wife just came in with some Matchbox Incredible. cars. These, these uh, first-gen MR2. These, uh, yeah. They're, oh, wow. I'm excited. Anyway. That, that, that is leads a into score. another story. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So Jason Daly got first place. He beat the Vipers. He beat the Vets. Uh, he beat the Miatas. He beat everybody in, in a car that he's never driven before ever. And with one day in the car against you know 40 other drivers that are pretty experienced, Porsches. I mean, you name it. So that says something. Yeah. That says that he's actually uh, pretty consistent no yeah. matter what he's driving. Yeah, and he can make anything work. And I got top ten. I got seventh place, I think, in packs or overall. Uh, he made me a much better driver. So That's it, incredible. It, it was awesome. And uh, one thing he did do in the morning is he had me turn everything off. The thing that Dean had had me do when I was at Rantoul that I complained I couldn't do, turned off the VSC, turned off the track. Uh, and I did the car completely live, completely raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first half of the day was brutal. At one point, I thought Jason was going to throw up because I was fishtailing. It was bad. Oh, yeah. Because of the pro- And he said, he said, the Supra is possibly the hardest car he's ever seen with throttle. The throttle control in the car is obscene. You have to figure out a way to literally get 20 to 25% of the pedal at any given time. Is it because of drive-by wire? There's I don't, no I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's what it is or not. Okay. I, uh, he said after he's been doing some reading, there's some sport tune you can do on the pedal to change so that that way you can kind of smash on it, you know, 50 or 60% and not get that just that quick response out gotcha. of it. But, uh, but he said, dude, I've driven Ferraris. I've driven Lamborghinis. I've driven everything. He said, this has got to be one of the hardest damn cars I've ever driven. And that, that gave me some good feeling that, you know, when I was in Rantoul last year, that wasn't batshit crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. you actually, you know, you're getting some real time information. Yeah. It's like this is yeah. this is not as easy as it used to be because you've also driven now. This is the third or fourth autocross car. Yeah, I've that driven a couple. Yeah, so this fielded, but, but everything with Toyota's always been four cylinders and you know weak sauce. It's it's always on or off, smash, yeah. let off, smash, let off. Supra, you don't smash, especially well, when yeah. you got when you got everything turned off because you're gonna be spinning the spinning the wheels and doing a smoke show. Good point. Good point. So anyway, so that's enough about me, Daryl. Uh, it's been busy, busy, busy. When's your, ne- when's your next autocross? Uh, September, Pekin Airport, and uh, that's sponsored by the Central Illinois SCCA. So you can go ahead and get on Facebook and check that out. And uh, I'll be helping at that event too. I'll be there for both days. And actually, this weekend, I don't know if the show will be out in time, but the uh, Champaign County guys are having their last event at their normal tarmac in Rantoul because that place has been bought by a tool manufacturer and it's going to be a factory. You're kidding? No. The so they're going. They're, they're going to a different tarmac. One of, but uh, one of those okay. hangers, one of those giant hangers out there. Yeah, it's bought. Former Air Force Base, big Chinute Air Force Base. There's, I mean, tons and tons of acreage out there. Yeah. Well, that's good though. I hope they continue because that venue's been yeah, good Fort, to them for a long so time. So the Fort Super should be out there this Sunday. I don't think I'll be there with them, but uh, anyway, if you get a chance, check it out. Right on. Anyway. All right, that's enough about me, Daryl. As usual, I talk too long, but uh, you. You were getting out the uh, the bifocals crawling across the floor this week, from what I saw. What's going on yeah, in the Scott yeah. Auto Museum of North Peoria? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we're trying to make something out of nothing, basically, uh, all of the old cars except the Volvo, the 69 144S. That thing just runs. I don't have to do anything to it. I put gas in it. The best thing I saw was the former owner. who We posted pictures of your car at Cars and Coffee. Oh, yeah, from last month. Yeah, and he goes, I never thought of that car as a show car. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And all the years I owned it, I never thought it would be a show car. And it's like, it's not a show car. Yeah. But the fact that it just is survived, I, I love stuff like that. If you're at a cruise-in, Cars and Coffee, car show, whatever – and it, there's a 70 Chevelle SS454 LS6 sitting over there in the corner or there's a 70 you know Ford LTD station wagon i'm going to look at the wagon and most people when you park the two of those together you're going to get probably the more you know John Q public Jane Doe whatever walk off the street and be like that Chevelle's cool i know what a Chevelle looks like I had an LTD or my parents i grew up in the back seat of one of these things the more common as my friend Greg calls them pedestrian cars it's the stuff you'd see in a parking lot in a grocery store years ago that's what seems to resonate with people that's why you see people nowadays get into things like chevettes and like plymouth reliance you said it the chevette there was a chevette at cars and coffee yeah and i stopped and took like two or three pictures of it and there was also a ford 500 there Mm -hmm. or gt the yeah the gt yeah and i didn't take any pictures of that well, I took two pictures of the Chevette. Yep, same it's, thing. It's crazy. It's one of those weird things as you get older. You want to see what's survived. It, it triggers memories. When you're a kid growing up, everybody in the neighborhood's parents had a minivan or everybody's parents had this or whatever. You remember going to Boy Scout camp in a Suburban. And, you, know, this, you remember those things or a conversion van if oh, you're yeah. of a certain age. You didn't <laughs> ride in the back of a, you know, a Torino GT or a – Talladega or a, a, a you know a Superbird. If you did, you were pretty cool. So that's why the, the Volvo's fun to take out. But I say that to say this: the '55 Plymouth I've had uh, for many years. My wife and I enjoy. We also have a '47 Chevy, and that thing has sat in the garage for many seasons because we bought a house in 2017, moved around, life circumstances. The thing kind of sat in storage for a while. But prior to that, we put about 10,000 miles on this '47 Chevy. And we drove all over the place, drove it up to Door County, uh, drove it. You drove it all the way to Door County? Yeah. Yeah. We went to a Chevy Club meet there in 2015. and I, I no, no trailer? No. Wow. No. Hopped in and, and drove it up there, and it was it was a wonderful time. Put 1,200 miles on the car in six days, and I went through a quart and a half oil, and that's about it. But the <laughs> that's, car, not, that's not bad for 1,200 miles? No. I mean, some modern consumption cars burn more than that. Yeah, it's it was a, it was a great trip. We had a wonderful time. Drove all the way up the Door Peninsula. I've got old video footage of me, you know, driving this thing, and it was it, it's just a great car, and we really enjoy it. Well, the brakes started to kind of go on it, and we redid everything in 2010, but uh, the wheel cylinder started leaking, and I had one axle seal in the back start leaking axle differential fluid all over the brake drums and it, it, the shoes. It just got to be a mess. So I finally said, this is the year I'm going to pull it all apart and redo it. I have, and long story short, I won't bore you. I put a little video on our Facebook page about it. But That's great. I shared it on the regular Throne Wrenches page, too. Did you? I did. The s- it was that good. It was that good? The C-Clips. I took everything out. If anybody's rebuilt a rear end in a you know, rear-wheel drive car, C-Clips are kind of important. They hold the axles in. And uh, when I took everything apart, I put it in a little metallic, one of those little organizer things, a little stainless steel we call them like a bowl, I guess. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the next couple of days I went out to clean everything and put it back together. 
I got one C-clip. And I'm like, where the hell is it? Now, this C-clip, I mean, for, for an axle, it was in like an inch tall? Yeah, it's maybe like... Oh, so it's big. Yeah, it's about an inch. Uh, yeah. It's a half inch thick. No, not a fifteenth of an inch thick. Okay. Whatever, sixteenth. As I'm far as the width, the width of the uh, the metal. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's as much as it's an inch tall, it's you know, an eighth of an inch round. Yeah, but part of my problem is, too, I, I, I don't know how to use a dial caliper, so I have this cheap one, and I'm like, I think it's this big. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was texting pictures to friends, and like, well, here's how big it really is, and here's yeah. what that means, and I'm not very smart. But um, I should have been a machinist. But yeah. the thing is, is I, I lost one. I fished around with a magnet inside the differential thinking maybe I lost it in there. It fell or something was under the car. It was in the drain pan. I have no idea where it is. And I, I, my wife, I love my wife. She's out drain there helping pan. me. Yeah, for the fluid when you take the differential cover oh, off to okay, okay, okay. drain the, uh, the, the gear oil. So, um, yeah, it, it was just frustrating. So I lost this thing. And, of course, you can't just, like, mail order it because it's not a 55, 6 or 7 Chevrolet. So nobody has it, but they're supposedly a 64 to 72 Chevelle 10-bolt GM is the same thickness and same size. So I ordered some. Oh, my we'll see. God. Hopefully I can put it back together. Otherwise, I'm going to be scouring junkyards from the 1940s. We'll see. And, and so there's no generic like machining C-clip you can find for this thing? I could probably have somebody make one for me, but I, it needs to be hardened. Yeah. Because yeah. everything in the back gets hot like that. So, I mean, I could have something made, but then I'd have to have it. Hardened. I don't know anything about metallurgy, and I'm sure locally I could probably find somebody yeah, who would I mean, do it. Caterpillar is in our backyard, so I'd think that there's got to be some axle somewhere with a C cliff about that size you could find. I would think because at that point you could just shave off the the ears or whatever, whatever you need to do to make it fit, as long as it held the axle, right? Yeah, have somebody with a lathe or something make yeah. something. That's the thing I wish. The older I get, especially the older specialty stuff, even stuff around the house, I wish I was a little more capable with machinery or tools you know i've got friends that have lathes and they can like oh i need you need a delrin bushing for something i'll go turn it and you know two hours later they got it or i know friends that have uh old brake lathes they bought on craigslist i'm like oh i turn my own brakes what do you mean oh i picked this up this this is where daryl and i differ daryl is all about trying to figure out how to do it and make it happen whereas i'm all about networking and finding the person who can do it but see those people and i i trust me i'm i'm with you there but those people are dying. Those people are di- – there's no nobody under the age of 50 who's like, yeah, I want to get a lathe and start working on stuff. Unless it's like woodworking and stuff like that, yeah. which is different. Yeah. But nobody's like, I want to make my own uh, you know, bushings for kingpins on a farm all tractor. Nobody's doing it. The guy who's doing that is 85, yeah. and he's still kind of doing it, but he's probably not going to be doing it much longer. Yeah. And that's the thing that sucks about the old car hobby. And everybody, and I, I went on a rant on the video on this, but people, if you ask anybody on a group forum, antique car, classic car restoring forum, something like that, any kind of question, look at the shot manual, look at the shot manual, just the shot manual, shot manual, shot manual. Shot manual doesn't have an exploded view of any of that stuff that no, I'm looking at. Not the old ones. No, and they skip over things. They'll be like, here, steps one, two, three, and four. Well, they don't tell you like the six other steps in between. You need to get to the hardware to replace. It just sucks. So I, I have shop manuals and parts manuals for every vehicle that I own, but it's just super frustrating when somebody can't demonstrate. Like, hey, how do I do this? Well, I don't know. I did it fifty years ago. It was in the shop manual. I forgot it. So I'm kind of flying blind on some of this stuff. Anyways, 
that's what's getting done. I'm, I'm getting ready to put that back together once and, I get C-Clips. Okay, and so the uh, the blue car. Yeah, the 55 Plymouth. The radiator. Radiator shot. So there used to be a place in Pekin, or in Peoria, Ole's Radiator. Uh-huh. Gone? Gone. Retired? Rex was another one. Yeah. And Rex, I heard, doesn't want to work on the old stuff that much. Okay. So I don't know if that's... Are you leaking? Could you see leakage coming yeah, out of the radiator? Okay. Yeah, the car always ran cool, never had a problem, never leaked before, and uh, just a six-cylinder stick shift, nothing fancy. It's not modified or anything. But uh, it started leaking from the top of the tank, and I took it to a place up north called Rings Radiator, who's... Uh, done stuff for my dad for years. So done now, stuff for me. And, and to back up, which car is this? What, 55 Plymouth Savoy. It's and, a four-door. And so that radiator is just solid metal, right? There's not, like it's, no plastic or anything like correct. that? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's an older style, what they call a, a honeycomb-style core. So it actually runs the tubes. You can't just, like, pinch off a tube. It runs the length of everything. Okay. So un, 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 unlike, like, the, fin, the newer style, what, copper, whatever, or brass, whatever they make the radiators out of, you can plastic. actually you get a leak or something. <laughs> You can just go in there and pinch it off and, you know. It just you, redistribute. Correct. Yeah. And that way you can't do it with this one. So uh, I'm just going to have the guy redo the entire thing. There was some JB Weld. There's some old crummy repairs in there that I didn't do. And I knew when I started scraping, I'm like, what's this blob here? I thought it was old solder. He's like, nah. He's like, it's some weird, like, JB Weld epoxy fix it kind of thing. And yeah. I don't know who did it, but <clears throat> clearly – it uh, it was no bueno, oh. so that's going to get redone. About five hundred and thirty bucks to redo oh. it. Well, I mean, it could have been worse, but I mean, mm-hmm. you can't just buy a new radiator for it. No, no, no recreation. No, nobody reproduces. Part. That's uh. that's the other fun part about having something that isn't a a Chevelle or a Camaro or something like that. I can go. There's probably three or four different types of reproduction radiators that are like exact reproductions for a '55 Chevy. Yeah, for '55 Plymouth. There's there's nobody. I can get an aluminum one off eBay that kind of fits, but they look terrible. The first thing you see when you pop the hood is this eBay radiator that's made of aluminum and just looks like garbage. Mm. You know, so I, that's not my style. So that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. I'm, I'm working on some other things, um, but hopefully I'll have one of those two running here in the next week or two. And trying to make a show at Mackinac Valley Vineyard this weekend. This weekend? Art and Wine Festival Sunday. They're going to have an antique car show around the lake there. The what qualifies as an antique, Daryl? Dude, bring your car. Bring your soup or bring anything. Bring dude, your Tacoma. It, so it was thrilling. Uh, Tacoma doesn't have a plate yet. I literally pulled it in the garage, and I'm not even going to plate it. You're not going to touch I'm it? I'm not going to plate it or anything for a year. <laughs> <laughs> it will age like a fine wine. Yeah, exactly. No, one of the, and this is uh, kind of sidetracking here. The coolest thing for me was going to Cars and Coffee for my first time of the year. Yeah. Bringing the 90 Supra. Yeah. Got it cleaned up. Had uh, I, 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 We've done everything mechanically in the car. You know, it's in good shape. The sunroof, of course, we know is all scratched up from a previous episode. But uh, <laughs> I, I love pulling up. And, and believe me, I'll pull up a tree hugger. I'll pull up with anything. I, I, I'm not like – I don't have like a car pride where I'm like, oh, I'm too ashamed to show this car. Right. Yeah. Tree hugger goes out there. With all of her nicks and scratches, and she's all banged up, and that truck is meant to be on the trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pull up with a Supra because that's, uh, to me, we race that car. I'll talk about that car all day long. And there was a lot of Supras there, by the way. Yeah, there were. And I saw another one on the way home, but he wasn't in the. It was the other guy with the bright red one. Yeah, okay. I don't right. know if he was there. Yeah. I didn't see him. Yeah, we, uh, was no, he? No, the bright red one that's. Uh, it's another Mark III Super, like 89 or 90. Oh, Mark III. Okay, so the other Mark V, those red one, was at my shop. We need to talk about that, too. But anyway, uh, no, so I brought my 90 Super out there, and I was just like, this is cool. Took the top off, and I'm like, what Steve Brown did a TikTok called it Survivor Supra, you know. But it, it's all original. Yeah. Interior looks great. 
Yeah, it does. I don't I don't dig the tires and rims on it, but uh, we're getting there. But you know what? When you got a little like pride in a car, mm-hmm. and people were looking at it, I got a lot of a lot of looks of the Targa off it Absolutely. and everything. Yeah, it's a five speed. I love that car. So it's fun when people come up and they they either remember how cool they were. Yeah. Uh, they grew up in the era where, like, oh man, a kid in my high school had one. I wanted one so bad. Yeah. You know, it's fun to jog those memories. It's not necessarily an ego. Like, there's a little bit of ego. Like, yeah, they like my stuff. It's cool. You know, clearly yeah, there's I could, that. I could have spent a hundred thousand dollars and bought a car. They go, yeah, look at my hundred thousand dollar car. Exactly. But that's not the case with this car. It's cool to bring out a car that's kind of a survivor. Absolutely. A little rough around the edges. You know, the front bumper is plastic, so the paint doesn't quite look the same as the rest of the body. Uh, but the interior still looks good. You can tell the car's been kept up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it drives great. So, yeah, hey, that that's the kind of car I feel like is good to show off, right? And what's nice, too, is on the drive home, you get a rock chip on the front bumper or you get some bug, bug splatter or something like that. You're yeah. like, eh, who cares? I'll wash yeah. it off. Oh, no, dude, we, we took it out the other night to dinner, and I had the targa off it, and we raced the rain home. And and, and you know what? Angela didn't <laughs> care. We were just like, this is fun. We got the targa off. It's yeah. dumping rain behind You can almost see the rain in the rearview mirror. Just just. I'm not freaking out. I'm out there wiping the thing down like, oh, man. Yeah, with the the, the detail spray, yeah, the yeah, mother's yeah. Oh, stuff. Yeah. Now, just not to prolong this, but I will say, I will I will caution you, a cautionary tale. All of my garbage has fallen apart because I didn't drive it. That's I, why I think I need to sell the car next year. I think I need to own the car uh, for a year and hock it. Uh, I, I can't get so attached, Daryl. Painful. Daryl, what was the count? I came up with nine cars. Are you with nine cars right now? That's what somebody else said. I think let, you're let's, see, let's hear the rundown. All right, so I got... The Supra, okay. the Mark III Supra. Got the green Celica convertible, okay. the 96. The Prius, yep. the driver. I got your Tacoma, your recent purchase. Okay. I got your Scion TC, which nobody talks about except you know, us and yeah. Gabe Casey because yeah. we like to make big fun of you. That's fine. Uh, is there a red Celica parts yeah. car floating yeah. around no, somewhere? I thought like, you sold that, bro. No, no. It's still there. Oh, my God. Does it run? <laughs> no. It runs. It just The training's out. Let's talk later. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the Forerunner? That's not mine. Okay, That's that doesn't a- count. A- Aiden has a Forerunner, but I mean, I technically own Aiden's car. All right, so the Forerunner and the RAV4, we're not going to count then. Well, I mean, they're in my name, but they're technically the kids' cars. They're yours. Uh, the Tundra? Yeah, that's ours. All right, that's all I got. Okay. Well, I mean, it, the fact that I own the kids' cars. I would count that. I think, no, I think you definitely, in, in my driveway, there's nine cars that I own. And then Tree Hugger. Not mine, but it, when it's in the driveway, that makes 10 cars. That's true. That's true. I think <laughs> you and I, so I am now at eight. Oh. I came I down from nine those, to I don't eight. even know where those eight are at. Uh, you know where most of them are. Yeah. Two I, of them. I, I can think of three in the garage. I oh, no, 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 no. Four with pork. <clears throat> so you got the, the. Well, I moved that out now, so. But technically, the classics, you have four classics. Mm-hmm. You, five? The 76 C20, which I don't think you've ever seen. I don't think you've ever seen the the old farm truck. No, have not. It's been in uh, hermetically sealed storage for okay. many many years. And then you got the Tundra, the Highlander, and the Solara. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Yeah. We're, we're doing all right, Daryl. Seventeen cars. Too. I was wondering if one of us would break the ten, the double digit mark, <laughs> which means we might. Well, there was a fifteen hundred dollar Rav Four two door that was for sale here last month, and you almost jumped. Yeah, that would have been my tenth. That would have been bad news. All right, you ready? Yeah. You ready to get, let's, stop talking about let's this? Let's move on. Yeah, all right. You ready for the news? The 
the old typewriter, like the news sound effect. Yeah, yeah Edward Moreau in the mm-hmm. background, right? All right, Daryl, uh, this is our favorite segment. We get to talk about all the things going on in the world. Uh, international news, Volkswagen is turning to an adhesive-based 3D printing process in a bid to manufacture hundreds of thousands of vehicle parts annually at one of its plants. The new process, called binder jetting, is being used to create components at the automaker's main plant in Wolfsburg, Germany. Remember the Wolfsburgs? Those were cool. Wolfsburg edition. Conventional 3D printing uses a laser, laser, to build a component layer by layer from metallic powder while binding the jetting uses an adhesive. The resulting metallic component is heated and then shaped. The new process reduces costs and increases productivity because the components can be half as much as conventional parts made from sheet metal. BW currently is the only automaker using 3D printing technology in its production process. This is from Ward's Auto. We'll put a link to it in the episode. Um, we talked early on in our show, like Carbon was a company that was going to be working with Ford, making 3D printers available at the dealerships and at the manufacturer level. So when you need a part, you just go to the Carbon machine and boop, boop, boop. Print it on demand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, this this was kind of cool. This, this layering thing they're talking about where they, they marry metal onto the surface uh, pretty neat, and it probably solves some board issues or like getting, uh, you know, I don't know if that's green board type stuff or what they're doing with it. And also, I, I think we th- were thinking along the lines that it would actually not only save time, but also you speed up the, um, you know, the repair process. If somebody comes in, you're like, hey, I got a broken uh, shift knob or something on one of these cars, or I got a, a door lock that uh, the little bushing inside the door panel broke off. You can whistle that out, no problem. Instead of, i got to order this $2.47 part and have it shipped from a warehouse in California. That's been sitting in a warehouse, and what's that cost right there, right? <laughs> this is something you can make on demand, and uh, and everybody's happy. The dealer's happy, service people are happy, you turn a ticket, and the customer gets something back. They're probably not going to do this for something super intricate, right? Are, are you imagining this would be... Uh, trim pieces. Or- yeah, I think this is like there's a heater control that has a slide, or there's something you know, mm-hmm. like I said, something that that navigates another part. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be basic plastic parts, maybe some because ba- this is metal, so maybe there's some basic conductivity or something like that. But uh, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, or some sturdiness, but uh, yeah, it's not not going to be a finesse part that you see from the outside of the car when you're sitting there at the driver's steering wheel looking down around the car. You're not going to see any 3D printed parts, but behind the dash. Definitely. It's all it's where the magic happens, baby. It's where the magic happens. That's right. Yeah. The next article we had, and this was kind of interesting. Daryl, when you drive, you're probably cool. But when you sit in the passenger seat, when Sarah's driving, do you get car sick? I don't as much as my wife does. She does it with me. Uh, so does she drive a lot then? Not so much. Usually okay. we're going somewhere I will. But she can't read. She can't uh, look at her phone that much. Or uh, She gets car sick I'd say more often than most. Okay. And it's not because of my driving. Ha, ha, ha. It's my, <laughs> it might be. But it's because it's just the, the motion thing. It's it's some weird – is it like yeah. a scientific thing? Yeah. So here's the deal. AdaptAutomotive.com. They have an article. It's called AB Developers Seek to Solve Car Sickness. And you can find this article. We'll link it on there. An estimated one in three people are susceptible to motion sickness, particularly in moving vehicles. Most people know that it can be acute to passengers more so than the driver. So what if everyone in the vehicle is the passenger, Daryl? Everybody's sick. Yeah, right? This is a real issue for autonomous vehicle developers. They hope to solve it or at least alleviate it. If most companies envision a future with self-driving transportation, their business models depend on passengers holding down their lunches while getting from point A to B. So (laughs) Volvo, Jaguar, uh, Zooks, and all these other companies, they're working on 
technologies that kind of help you out, and uh, we'll put that link to the article in there. But interesting concept. Nobody ever thinks about this stuff, right? No, this is definitely day two problems. After everybody <laughs> goes autonomous, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Everybody's throwing up. Do we need a barf bag in every Tesla? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, this in the next- back seat when I hop in the back seat? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, this next one I just threw in here real quick as we were updating things today. My wife actually sent me this. I thought it was fascinating. On uh, CNBC, there was a nice little 10-minute video. Put a link up there. And the story was Rubber Apocalypse what it means for the U.S. economy. The global economy now faces a rubber shortage because of a multiple supply chain disruptions, and that could be um, anything from climate change. I guess there's a fungus that's taking out some of the rubber plants that's growing in oh. mostly Thailand and Southeast Asia. I keep hearing like a banana apocalypse is coming, too. This is all probably all related, right? All the things we like, <laughs> natural rubber, bananas, <laughs> Rock and roll. There's a shortage of all of those things. So we could actually be on the cusp of what's being called a rubber apocalypse. And that's according to Ohio State University professor Katrina Cornish. Rubber producers are working against all odds. The global rubber market was valued at nearly $40 billion in 2020. But one analysis predicts that the natural rubber market could be worth $68.5 billion in just the next six years. That's a pretty hefty price jump there. Our take, I guess, um, a fungus, shipping container fights, and other factors, they're likely having us uh, pay a crap ton more for natural rubber <laughs> products in the next few years. And I didn't know this until I watched this video. 85% of the rubber we have today comes from Southeast Asia. So pretty much everything's imported. I know that you know, rubber's a what tropical What doesn't thing. come from Southeast Asia? But, I mean, everything. <laughs> everything. IKEA furniture maybe doesn't, but yeah, that's true. Okay, all right, maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's just another thing we're going to be forced to pay more for over the years, and probably have to find some way to come up with a uh, another plant based alternative. Maybe. Hmm. Well, and the other thing was the hollow tires. I mean, if you watch the mowing guys now, when they're uh, the industrial mowing guys around here, they don't use like rubber tires anymore. They use the ones that have like the strips holding it together. They're not inflated. No, oh, they got like springs in them and stuff too. Not really springs, no? but they're just kind of like connected. Yeah. It's it's almost like rubber spokes. I've seen the videos on that. You know, those were like viral videos. A few I'm years seeing ago. them now. When when you see the guys in Pekin mowing with mowers like that, you have to think that technology is becoming ubiquitous, right? It is nice. You don't ever have to replace an yeah. inner tube on your tractor, yeah. I guess. And we talked about uh, before about the the rubber. Uh, disintegrating from the tires, actually washing down the roadways, going through the drainage ditches, and actually finding its way into the streams and everything. And Turtles. Now now, and now they're finding rubber particles, and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, every salmon we get, like yeah. beautiful plank grilled salmon yeah. now is full of rubber. Oh, well. <laughs> mm, mm, taste it. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Tastes like tires? Well, you know what? You love cars, right, Daryl? That's right. All right. We've got a couple of stories here going into national news. I gotta apologize. Anybody out there's got tinnitus and they hate that. I I didn't give you a warning. Sorry about that. It's fine. Anyway, national news. We got some Bronco headlines, Daryl. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the Bronco is really, really leading all the stories lately. So um, I was going to mention this. Bill Burks, uh, Bill Burks Four Wheel Drive Adventures. I think is his uh, Facebook handle. I ran with Bill years ago when I went out to FJ Summit, did an overnight, spent a couple nights in the uh, the Mesa with him. Bill is one of the original Cami tro- Camel Trophy. Uh, drivers for the Land Rover. Is it Range Rover, Land Rover? Uh, yeah, Rover, whatever. But yeah. yeah, Land Rovers used to be the big thing, the big yeah. Camel Trophy Series ones that were outfitted. And they, what do they run like across the... Oh, my God. He was in Africa. And, uh, I mean, he, he's the real deal. And, and 
Bill was telling us stories when we were sitting on the campfire of, you know, of doing recovery for days. That's what they do. And, and so lately I've watched Bill on his Facebook page. He was called up to Michigan because Bill's been out there showing these guys at the Ford plant how to do recoveries and how to wheel. Oh, wow. Which is so funny because, you know, as Toyota guys, and I've run with Bill at a Toyota event because, you know, Bill appreciates Toyota. I think he might own a Toyota. But, uh, and obviously Jeep people, I'm sure he runs with them and the Rover people. But now Ford, Ford is trying very hard. And as is Rivian, because I've seen Bill running with the Rivian crowd now, too, Mm, trying to make sure that uh, they get that gravitas of having somebody like Bill Burks out there. Pretty cool stuff. It's like a seal of approval. Yeah, I'm going to put a link out there. uh, It's a Google article with history about the Camel Trophy about Bill. But anyway, check that out. Yeah, great footage on YouTube, too, if you're into historical rally racing or off-road events. Dude, that's a real deal. It's awesome. (sighs) You see, so you see some of that. You're like, you can smell it and taste it, man. It's brutal. It's yeah. awesome. All right, this uh, first article, and these are all going to be uh, glad handing the Ford Bronco here. Uh, Peter Valdez from CNN Business. The article headline is: The Ford Bronco is finally here, and Jeep should be worried. From CNN Business, the Jeep Wrangler has cornered a very nice slice of the auto market for a long time, but that appears to be over now that the full size Bronco has arrived. Based on test drives and on and off road, the Jeep should be worried. We're not talking about the Bronco Sport, which I've seen a couple around town. They do look pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may have seen it driving around. The model is smaller. It's somewhat related to the Ford Escape and the new Ford Maverick pickup truck, which I'm anxious to talk about that in the future, too. The new Bronco is bigger. It's taller. and It's made to take off far more serious terrain uh, than the, the new Bronco or the little Bronco. It's somewhat related to the Ford Ranger truck. While the Bronco Sport can drive off-road, the Bronco can drive places where the road shouldn't even be part of the word. The Bronco has just gone to production in Michigan, and prices start at twenty eight five, a little higher than the Bronco Sport, but prices are nicer for the well-equipped versions that start around $40,000. And I think I saw $90,000 on some, didn't you see there's, something like that? I don't remember how many different versions there are, but there's different packages, and I think one of them was up there. Yeah. I don't know if it was 90. It's but like the Bronco Carbon or something like that. Is, yeah, something ridiculous yeah. Is, yeah. is up there. But I will say, much like everything else, I think this particular vehicle, you can a la carte pretty much any package yeah. that you want. 28.5? I, I don't imagine there's going to be a two-wheel drive, right? There can't be a rear-wheel drive only option. I don't know. I don't know enough about the specs on these. I'm I wouldn't gonna, think I'm so. Gonna, I'm going to have to look this up because if I can get a 4x4 Bronco, let's just assume with a manual transmission for 28.5. You're going to buy one? Why wouldn't I not buy that car? Mm. Can you buy a Wrangler for that price? You know, that's a very good question. I wonder what you could get a base Wrangler Sport four-wheel drive stick yeah. for. Yeah. It's probably got to be 34-ish. I mean, we talked a lot about this Tacoma I bought and how much I love the fact it's just raw. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't need a hard top. I get a. I get a soft top. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need fancy all the buttons. I don't need the the surround cameras. I don't need you know occupant detection. I don't. I don't need all this stuff. Yeah. What if I could just get the stripped down Betty with the the National Highway Traffic Administration basic safety package that I have to have mm-hmm. at twenty eight five steel wheels. But who cares? Yeah. I don't care about that. It doesn't matter. No. As a matter of fact, to me, part of the thrill is going out there with the basic package and. And driving around like a goat, and proving that you don't have to up, you know, upfit every single aspect no. of your rig to go out and have a good time. Yeah. When you look at the original Bronco that came out in 1966, those things were just like the Jeeps were. They were very utilitarian, steel wheels, you know, straight six, three speed, 
Heck, there were the first Broncos didn't even really have back seats in them. They were just two little seats in the front. Yep. And you got these little shells you could put in to take your doors off so you could go run through the farm fields. Yeah. And who cares? Yeah, if it's bare metal in the back and there's no seats for the second row. I, again, I, I we should go to the builder. That's what we should have done. That, spec ne- our own. Next episode, we're going to spec our Broncos. That's what we'll and do. compare notes. Yes, let's I, do that. I, all right, all right. All right you, uh, how about this? You spec a Bronco. I'll spec a Wrangler. Okay. And we'll see who okay. who ends up closer. Right. I like it. I like okay. it. All right. Deal. Uh, another article. So all three of these articles are all linked together, all about the Ford Bronco. And uh, all we're doing is trying to get you to buy Ford stock, I think, from the way this is going. <laughs> That's right. I swear <laughs> we're not getting paid for this. <laughs> the 2021 Ford Bronco first drive review. The long-awaited 4x4 SUV is absolutely the real deal. That's according to Motor Trend. Look out, Jeep Wrangler. The new Bronco is coming for you, and it's armed to the teeth. 2021 Bronco is easily one of the most anticipated vehicles of our fledgling decade, and it won't keep you in suspense. Our initial impression is that driving the new two- and four-door Bronco is that it absolutely lives up to the hype. Driven on-road or off, viewed as a getaway or adventure vehicle, a family truckster, or a piece of retro automotive art, the Bronco feels like a winner. Indeed, Jeep's longtime off-road champ, the Wrangler, now has some serious 4x4 SUV competition, as does our 2021 Motor Trend SUV of the Year, the Land Rover Epic Defender, I, which is cool looking, by the way. How did that? I I, I didn't even know that the 2021 SUV of the year was a, a Land Rover. I, I mean, to me, a Land Rover being SUV of the year just seems insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If it was like BritishCarMag.com, I could see that. But, right. But right. Motor Trend declaring a Land Rover SUV of the year. It's beautiful. Is it's it? an absolutely beautiful machine. Okay. All right. There's I, some cool call-outs to the old-school Land Rovers. Uh, but there, the other thing I like about that is you can get one pretty stripped down with steel wheels and no frills. But then you can also get one that's built up in seventy-five, eighty thousand. dollars Is Tata Motors still on them? I believe them? they still okay. own them, yeah. Right. So the, the Defender is like their – I think their entry level. They, yeah. might, they might be – I don't know what the what's the other one that one looks like a lunar escape vehicle that oh, the yeah. evoke yeah. or whatever that might be cheaper but the defender's pretty baller I don't know I'd I'd never driven one I looked into a couple because um, my wife loves Land Rover she's like oh someday I want one she loved when the uh, oh, I'm, Discovery I'm, I'm, came I'm right out. there with her she's I, like beautiful I said I will never own one of those things I won't either there's no way <laughs> and I've seen some come up for sale although for, I mean I did I did find a uh, a series two after my trip to Mexico how much for, it was it went on uh, bring a trailer. It was originally around twelve or thirteen, with like a day left on the bidding. Yeah, I think it ended up going for twenty three or twenty four. Because I'm like, dude, if this car goes for fifteen thousand dollars, I consider one. Yes, there's a bunch up in uh, Lombard. There's a dealership <laughs> that's got a couple of them. Series twos. Hold yeah, on with. Oh. Uh, most of them are imported. The, the ones we get here are imported from South America. Okay, well, yeah, the, so the Savannah from Mexico is the one that I was driving. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. No, it's, it's the same vehicle, yeah, right? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so then this other article here that's kind of Bronco-related kind of calls out more of the love for the uh, the F-150 Lightning and the Maverick, which are some of the other Ford trucks that are making some headlines in the recent weeks. There was a big, splashy debut of the electric 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning, and uh, pretty cool if you're into that sort of thing. I have a thought about that, but okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's, and then, of course, the other one is the smaller, more approachable truck that uh, everybody here in the States has been clamoring for, i.e., just a plain truck that isn't fifty grand. Mm-hmm. That's the smaller 2022 Ford Maverick. That's going to be either a hybrid or a little four-cylinder deal, and that is um, is is 
pretty much gaining some traction. That, I believe, has a sticker price that starts in the mid to upper 20s as well. Pretty cheap. Yes, absolutely. It was, yeah, it was, it was less than 30 yeah, for a truck. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, some of those things, we'll see what happens with Ford. I know, of course, they've been hit hard with the chip shortage. Uh, just driving past the Ford dealerships around town here, there's not a bunch of stuff on the lot. Veldi and Pekin. Their, their truck center is empty. Yeah. They've moved everything over to the other side. I'm just like, this is a disaster. Hopefully things get back uh, back to normal here pretty soon. But people are definitely talking a lot about an approachable, fairly efficient, fairly affordable truck. And I think that Maverick is going to fill the gap. I don't know necessarily the specs on that thing. Even as a hybrid, I think that would fit most people's needs if they just need to drive around, drive it as a daily, and then go to the you know, the local home improvement store on the weekend and get a couple bags of mulch. I think something like a Maverick would do a lot more for people than, you know, the big F-150s that are that are taking up a lot of space in suburban garages and driveways. Yeah. No, it's uh, – so I, I looked at the pictures of the Lightning. Yeah. And yeah. you and I have talked about the Lightning. Uh-huh. There was a time – I sold cars in the 90s, and when we'd trade in for a Lightning and have it on the lot – they were red, blue, or white, I believe, was the three colors you could yeah, get. Yeah. The, that box body, and they had like that cool yellow stripe on them. You could tell a Lightning from a mile away. You could, it was a regular cab, uh, two-wheel drive truck. Long bed. Yeah. It was sweet looking. Or short bed. Short no, bed no, yeah, it was a short bed. Short right. bed. Yeah. Um, but it, if it was that red or that white, those cars just stuck out, man. They were beautiful. And guys would come from all over and tire kick on those bad boys all day long. It was it was ridiculous how much traffic they got, foot traffic. Mm-hmm. I looked at the picture of the new Lightning, and it's just a big Ford truck with a frunk. I mean, <laughs> frunk. The, the, yeah, the, the grill pot. I mean, the, the hood comes open with the grill, and yeah, there's this big space where you can put your luggage and all that. But they didn't they didn't make it look any different than like a giant Silverado. There's no call out. It, it no. looks like a regular truck. That's that's the vibe I got, and and I'm not faulting Ford at all because I really do feel like the Maverick is going to be a home run. The Bronco's a home run. Uh, I just feel like the Lightning. If, if you have a vehicle that looks like it's on the skateboard, similar to Rivian skateboard, you could have shaped that, altered it. You could have given it a sportier look. You could have like shaved the front end. And made you know who knows what you want to do. Your designers could have gone nuts with that car. Sure, but I feel like they just took a regular Ford truck and just made it electric. That's what it looked like. And not to be, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. No, just please, to be please do. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there was probably a lot of market research that went into that because the F-150 is so popular that even people who aren't quote unquote truck people, yeah, like oh, I I want an F-150. Well, don't call it a Lightning then. Yeah, but how do you cross that bridge, though, for, for, for such a – at one point, it was one of the best-selling American vehicles, I think. Um, Just the F-150? Yeah. Not the Lightning, obviously. No, no, not the Lightning. But but how do you get people – how do you get truck buyers – I think that's been the, the, the question. How do you get truck buyers in America to adopt electrification or hybrids? We've had hybrid Silverados, and we've had a couple hybrid attempts here and there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really take off. People are like, yeah, forget. It. I need to tow stuff. My truck needs to do work. I need to do whatever. I'm wondering if this is their attempt to be like, this looks and feels just like an F-150 that I'm used to. It happens to be fully electric. Happens to be electric. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I guess there's some if I'm psychology if I'm 55 there. or 60 years old and it's my third vehicle in the household, maybe an electric Lightning is all I need to run down to Lowe's and pick up some some potted plants. Good point. I don't know. I'd love to see one in real life. No! I'd, I'd love, no! No! I'd love to see one actually do work. Pull a trailer. 
Pull a trailer with an electric truck and oh see what God. happens. The humanity of this mm-hmm. whole thing. And well, uh, electrification. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, I know. Yeah. We're losing the battle. Yeah. The, the yeah. war's already anyway. been won. Anyway, so. Uh, we're also going to put a link up here. Chris Pocket, I think he works for Motor Trend. He put out a nice little video of uh, driving the Bronco um, on one of their little test tracks up in Detroit. And um, it it just bothers me so much when I watch these guys drive around. They do stuff. I'm like, oh, you can do this and you do that. And one of the things that really galled me in the whole thing was I got the feeling like they want people to like go out by themselves and adventure by themselves, and it oh, and, oh. and it always irritates me because I'm like, you should never do any of this stuff by yourself. Just because a vehicle's capable to go out and do a mud hole and get back out of it, yeah, doesn't mean you should be out there by yourself in the mud hole. So you mean uh, somebody might be in a national park and just completely go off the rails yeah. and hurt themselves? Oh yeah, and then we might you know have a hundred volunteers trying to get to <laughs> them to rescue party. them somewhere. So choppers. I just uh, maybe when the it, it, you know Bron- the Ford has done a lot right with the Bronco, so maybe. Just maybe they'll teach a leave no trace or stay the trail or uh, something like that when they sell those cars. That'd be nice. Maybe they could contribute just ten bucks to to stay the trail for every Bronco they sell, and they could uh, start cleaning up some trail damage from some right. some side by sides. You Jack scan wagons. a QR code, you have to watch a ten part YouTube <laughs> series, <laughs> wheel responsibly, and then you get your keys. All right, Daryl, you ready for this? Let's do it. Are you Let's ready? Is that that ready? time? It is that time. It's time. For your moment of musk. You know what? I really should have like a, a, a Branson minute is what we should do. Maybe a... That's next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just went to space. He did go to space. Before Elon and before Jeff Bezos. Anyway. He, he did a really corny speech, by the way. I didn't see it. Check it. I saw him ride his bike up to the... Uh, <sighs> anyway, you know, we're talking about science of industry right now. So he rides his bike up. To the, uh, the, the 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 weird phallic shaped. Uh, what was that? I don't know. I, I the way it looks like he's entering the building almost feels like he's like he's like using the female form. There's just something raunchy he's, about that guy, isn't there? There, it's the creepy flesh colored beard. It's like Rick Bayless, the chef. You look at it, and you're like, what are we doing? What are we <laughs> Not doing? Not even Tomatias. I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, he rides his bike up, and he and. It was a casual pace. The dude's almost 80, right? He's 70-something, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he rides his bike up. Cool. Good for him. Far better than I'm probably oh, yeah, at his age. Yeah. But he gets off his bike, and he goes to up to the four pilots, and he like wraps his arm. He puts his arms out to hug them all. The first two who are like in his first proximity like go right in. The other two are on the outside like, and, this, <laughs> and there's one gal, this little gal on the right, and watch the video. I'm not making this up. It was there was a lot of hesitation, a little like, tension. Yeah, like predator. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Soon. Anyway, let's get back to the moment oh, of Musk. Yes. Anyway. Whoa. Is that you? My plane is in my plane is def- in airport. What? The, my phone is in airplane mode. According to Inside EVs, it seems it's only a matter of time before Tesla releases a new, cheaper entry level car. Tesla has many upcoming vehicles in the pipeline, but it hasn't really made much progress in bringing them to the market. We're talking, and we're not talking about the Cybertruck and the next generation Roadster or the Tesla Semi. However, there has been talk about a smaller, cheaper Tesla car, perhaps a compact hatchback that starts around $25,000. Tesla's already receiving record orders, and it reportedly sold out of many areas in many months, but it cannot possibly produce enough vehicles to satisfy demand, and clearly bringing more vehicles to the market at this time would just make the situa- situation even more difficult. Nonetheless, 
CEO Elon Musk has made it clear that he thinks the future of Tesla is a compact car and it's a good idea. In fact, the company has already gone so far as trying to recruit folks from China to design the car. More specifically, the car will be designed and produced in China and sold across the globe. And that is your moment of Musk. Oh, China. It's a China. It's a China Tesla. $25,000 car. Does that sound cheap to you now? Yes, sounds it, very it cheap. It sounds like a golf cart, right? I mean, uh, the people are paying thirty thousand dollars for side by sides. And I just saw another another guy buy one of those. Uh, he's a local business owner, and I was driving to work one morning, and I see him ripping down Knoxville, and I'm like, oh, he must be doing pretty good because he bought himself a brand new side by side. And have you ever seen one of one of those being driven gingerly? They're always driven flat out. Oh, well, like, I've seen them around the small towns. People like driving to the, the local bar or something like that. I mean, that's yeah. that's a thing. But uh, but no, I, 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 we could do a whole show about side-by-sides, and I'd probably lose a third of our listeners if you heard my full opinion of them. I, I'm not a huge fan. Actually, I take that back. I think a lot of people probably listen to our show, probably aren't fans of them either. So uh, Proper vehicles. Yeah, no, they're not proper vehicles. Proper. Proper. Yeah. All right, do you want to skip over grinding of the gears and yeah, all that? I think we can do yeah, that. Uh, da, 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 da. But what about the cars of the week? Can we skip cars of the week, Daryl? I don't know. I don't think we can do I it. I think we need to get back on track with that. Do you know what cars of the week is, folks? If this is your first time listening, you may not be aware of this or not, but Daryl and I sometimes peruse the internet. We cruise all the spots. We virtually tire kick all night, all day. And then what we do is say, Daryl, look at this. Look at this. Look at this 1997 RAV4 coupe with a soft top. It's an automatic. It's only $1,500. It's in Toulon. What do you think? What do you think? Of course, Daryl agrees. I should own the car. But then when I take my computer and I hand it over to my wife and say, look, honey. See? Look, look, at, this, look at this RAV4. She goes, did you sell the Scion? Did you sell one of the nine cars that Daryl pointed out on your show? <laughs> no. Well, then shut up. But yeah. if it were a five-speed, I'd press her. I would press her. Anyway. You, or you would have bought it and, and stuffed it away somewhere in an off-site location. Maybe, maybe. But what this all gets down to is Daryl and I are always, we're always looking virtually. So whether that's Bring a Trailer, whether that's Craigslist, whether it's Facebook Marketplace, where, where else can you go? I don't even Car gurus. Car gurus. That was our jam for a little bit. Yeah. Gosh, I need to... I'm going to cruise that tonight before I go to bed. Just to see. Just to see what's <laughs> just to out see, there. Just to see what's out there. Anyway, you never know. Anyway, that's what Cars of the Week is. And so what we've done tonight is Daryl and I have both selected cars that we would own if money were no object. Whether that's $100,000 or $2,000, you just never really know. And money is no object because, as we know, <laughs> virtual currency doesn't really exist. Exactly. I'm trying to copy mine and put it in my uh, browser. Do you want to hop to yours first? Sure. I'll start. I'll start off. Um, I actually had a different pick from when we originally recorded. Oh, you changed it. I did. The original pick I had was a 66 AMC Ambassador Coupe, and it was actually kind of a cool little car. But then I got to thinking, oh, look at this one. Yeah. <laughs> so this thing came up this morning as I was eating my cornflakes and perusing the Facebook marketplaces. Um, this is in a group, and it's a guy in Indiana that collects some pretty cool late model. I say late model. It's not at this point like 1990. It's a late model. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, he's got a bunch of old Oldsmobiles and old early GM front-wheel drive stuff. He had an 89 Oldsmobile 98 Regency that I'm like, ooh, this thing's cool. He's like, I'm downsizing my collection. I'm putting it all out there. He had like an old 78 Lincoln and some other stuff. But then buried in there, nestled in his post with all of his stuff for sale. Nestled ever so gently. Is a 1990 Oldsmobile Toronado. <laughs> 
And if anybody remembers the Tornado, you know, early front wheel drive stuff, we think of the big 60s things with like the 10 foot front, uh, you know, the, the hood is 10 feet long and then the rest of the body is kind of whatever. Well, by 1990, GM had shrunk everything about three times. But the Toronado had some lines to it still. And this thing, these look like, I call these the spaceship era because they look like some flying saucer. They're really cool. They got the single long light bar that runs the full width of the back, the flip up headlights, and they've got just a slightly longer wheelbase than the mid 80s downsize they first did where everything just looked weird. This thing actually has some some lines to it. Now it's not a big what they call the Trofeo, which is the you know the the big twelve way adjustable seats with the leather and the bolsters and all this and the bigger ground effects and spoilers and stuff. This is just a plain vanilla Tornado. It actually has a bench seat. Oh, and that's kind of a rarity in these and things. And this picture is that car. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this has got 107,000 miles on it. It was supposedly ordered by a, a GM executive in Ohio, and uh, it's cloth interior, which I like. Instead of the leather, digital dash, full digital gauges, and uh, actually it's an early airbag car, and I believe it has the steering wheel controls for the stereo Ooh. and heater and stuff like that, which my mom's 89 Olds had. And I always thought that was way ahead of its time. Turns out it was. Uh, the only thing it needs is most everything works. The only thing is the turn signal stock might need to be replaced soon, and I can vouch for that because when my parents had one of these things, I think we went through two or three of those stocks because they, they control the cruise control. They had the like wipers. a million controls in them, yeah. Yeah, GM patented this thing. They were called, tiny. They are like little slides and Very yeah. small. Yeah, I think they call it the smart switch or smart stock or something like that. It was pretty smart for that time, but crap breaks. Anyways, 3500 bucks is the asking price for this thing. It's got the 3800 V6, so that thing runs forever. I think this is a bargain. If anybody out there finds a Tornado or a Riviera of this era, they've got touch, CRT touchscreens interior Ooh. pieces. They're really, really cool, and I really want to buy it. I'm going to try to bug my wife into maybe going to look at it. Well, you can always catch up with the stalls, too. Good. Nine cars. Good. I, well, i got to get back. i got to get back out there. That's what I picked. It's kind of weird, but that's uh, what caught my fancy this morning. Eric, what the heck are you looking at on the Internet these days? Okay, so the one thing I do love about that Tornado. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they, they, they put that laser beam across the back for the brake lights, mm-hmm. but then all the spot that would have been plastic on a normal model, which I can't believe this isn't. You said this is a base model. Yeah, it's, it's kind of base. But they took all that, that extra space where there might have been, like, red plastic, and they, like, painted it white. And that's what always made the Tornado look a, a little different than, like, a Cutlass or something, right? I agree. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of excess there. It was just kind of like, meh. And I like it in white, too, because a lot of them, yes. where I grew up, they were all, like, that black Jerry or that... Did they have a red? Did they have a red? Yeah, like a maroon, uh, charcoal, black. You know, they, they were really cool cars, but the white just sets it off. You see the that line tail, the it really sets it off, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, 3500 bucks, man. All right. Well, yours is a lot cheaper than mine. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Daryl. I chose my selection before I bought the Tacoma, I, belie- uh, I believe. Okay. You know, I'd look back and... Uh, and I think about it because here's what I found myself doing, Daryl. For whatever reason, I thought, you know, it'd be cool. I've been to Mexico and I saw all these little cool mini trucks, and we can't get mini trucks here in the United States, but what we can get is direct from Japan mini trucks that are only for farm use or for business use, but they can't be used on U.S. roads. And Daihatsu, which is made by Toyota, makes an awesome little mini truck called the Hijet. 
You ever seen these little guys? No. Actually, no. when you and I were at Cars and Coffee, we saw something very similar. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. I took some pictures of it. It might have been a Daihatsu. I didn't see any like badges on it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I, it was so pretty th- cool. Just enough space that uh, two people can sit in the front of this thing, but it almost looks like a side by side. But when you look at the dash, you look at all the buttons, man, those are all Toyota buttons. Well, what I found is a 2020 Daihatsu Hijet. <laughs> She's orange metallic. She's got like a little dump bed on the back. And it's got a two-inch lift kit, which gives it all-terrain tires that are 23 inches tall, Daryl. It's got the tough country package that adds 500 bucks to it. Oh, boy. And I can get this bad boy for a screaming price. Oh, shoot. Where is the price? I thought it was on here. I'm pretty sure it's around $20,000. Anyway. It was three, up there. Yeah. Three-cylinder, 600cc motor. It's a fuel-injected. It's a 4x4 unit. comes with a five-speed transmission, which I'm all for that. Four-wheel drive with a high and low range, a locking rear differential, fully enclosed cab with AC and heat. Oh, man. It's got power steering. It's got high and low beams, taillights, turn signals. You name it, man. Even lockable doors, Daryl. Oh, they lock? <laughs> they do lock. I even see tinted windows on this bad yeah, boy. Yeah, where is the price on this bad boy? I can't believe I can't find the price. So anyway. these things, are they're not legal here in the States? Like you can't really register them or no, something? No, for or? safety ratings. And I believe it's probably all to do with the, the door like ratings. Crash yeah, somebody were to do a side hit or something on it, this, uh, this car definitely couldn't withstand you know the impact of it. But uh, but they look like any other like Asian country where you see a busy, bustling city yeah, street. These yeah. things are all over the place. Delivery yeah. trucks, yeah. farm vehicles, whatever. Something like and this. And hunter, hunters buy these things, too. You'll see them, like, yeah, you'll see them all camoed out where guys will like take them out in the woods and stuff. Because like, it's perfect. you got a deer. You want to drag that thing back. You, know, you keep something like this around the farmstead. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty cool, but... But realistically, you can buy a $1,900 Tacoma, Daryl. It does <laughs> Do the same everything. thing. <laughs> yeah, but they're just not as cool as this. No, I don't know. that's for sure. This thing's got that burnt orange color. It's pretty sweet. So I like the rims. Uh I do, too. That that uh, lift package kind of gives it a sweet look, doesn't it? It does. Mm. And a, a tilt bed. Tilt bed would, would actually yeah, I mean, come in handy for, for... For the garden and such. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I... If I had $20,000 laying around, Daryl, along with other million dollars, <laughs> this true. thing w- would totally be in my garage. This one did not make the presentation to the wife. I'll, I'll admit it. You didn't You didn't share this with her? No, no. Th- this is totally a fantasy vehicle at this point. She might be happy with a Tacoma. You think? Seems like it. Yeah. You just put a dump bed on that. You're it's almost like you know her. It's hard to say. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, cool. That's a fun pick, and I hope that someday you get your what? wish. A mini truck? Yes. I got one. I got a Tacoma. <laughs> you know, we had a 97. My wife and I had a 1997 Tacoma in dark green. And this truck was very similar. Uh, regular cab? Yeah, regular cab, 4x4, four 5-speed. Four, but I had the SX package. It had a little bit oversized tires and had bucket seats. Uh-huh. If this thing had bucket seats, it would be just darn near the exact same truck as that dream truck from back in the day. And I gave that truck up because of my daughter, who I love. <laughs> But I'm not sure how much I love her, you know, because I would I, if I still had that '97 Tacoma with the bucket seats, you'd still be in love with that. I would be. Anyway. Well, you know what? I the think it's we a fair do. trade. The things we do. You need to get a car seat in there somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, folks, you've made it to the end of another Throwing Wrenches podcast. I hope you had enough fun uh, to come back and visit us in episode 51. We've had a good time entertaining you, and uh, if you like our cars of the week picks, please let us know. If you got some opinions about this Bronco. We want to hear it because I think the next episode we're going to be talking some more about the Bronco. 
Yeah, and offering uh, Ford, a local Ford dealer here in Central Illinois, they just got their first one in, Ooh. and they've been hyping it up on their Ooh. Facebook page. It's yeah. in that maroon with a black soft top. I think it's kind of a base one, and they've. It's funny they've had on Facebook all their staff taking pictures with it because they're obviously trying to sell stuff, but yeah. at the same time, I think everybody is just super super psyched to get one of these things. You know how locally. the cool that is. Like when the Supra came out, I mean. We, we still get customers take pictures of the car on the showroom floor. Yeah. You know, so imagine being the Ford dealer having a Bronco. Pretty cool. Same thing. Anytime a new model comes out, especially something that's this anticipated, you can't help but to be excited. And that might show that you might have a few actual car people who are excited about cars, you know, working there. So it's good rare. for them. Good for it's them. It's rare. Nobody was like that when the Ford Escape came out, okay? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's rare when you see something like that. Every once in a while, an automaker will strike gold on something. It's like, hey, we, we got something here. The Blazer did not do that. Sadly, it did not. It did not. Anyway. All right. Uh, for Throwing Wrenches Podcast, this is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. We'll see you next time.